Well, good morning. We are thankful that you are here this morning. It's one of those days that we are especially thankful for the building that we have and the opportunity to be inside and be dry. But we are thankful that you have chosen to be here this morning. We have several visitors in our midst. We're thankful that you're here, several who are back from being gone on vacation or gone to Haiti or gone uh, various places, even being sick. And we're just glad for the opportunity to be here this morning and study together. We've got a lot of good things that are going on. We hope that you'll pick up a bulletin and check out all the good number of things that we're involved in here and be a part of any that you can. Uh, I'll remind you, I don't know if it's good news or bad news for you, but I won't be here tonight. Uh, we'll be gone. Uh, you can hear Charles. If you want to hear Charles, That's uh, I'd recommend Charles. I appreciate Heath and Brian both doing a good job a couple of weeks ago when we were gone. Uh, we'll be in Bridgeport, Alabama tonight, filling in uh, as part of their summer series. Uh, and so we look forward to being with those good brethren down there, but hope that you'll make plans even if you can to be back here or be back here this evening with us, as well as the many other things that we have that are going on here at Saudi. You know, a lot of times, maybe whether you're into music or not, we get themes and different ideas and concepts from our music. Maybe you recall around the year 1964, some of you may recognize the man that was sometimes known by some people as the King of Soul, uh, Sam Cooke, and he had a song in 1964, and it was called A Change Is Gonna Come. Uh, it's been, of course, remade many different times, but maybe you recall that song. Maybe you remember as well, the same year, 1964, the great American poet, singer-songwriter Bob Dylan had a song that said, the times, they are a-changing. And oftentimes in music, we would hear different themes, different things uh, that kind of speak to us or speak to the change or the time that might be going on. Maybe you even recall 1964 was the first year on Broadway for the Fiddler on the Roof as Tevia and Golda, a married couple there, sang the song, Sunrise, Sunset. And of course, followed by that were the words, Swiftly Fly the Years. But even if you're not into music, I don't think any of you were around then, but maybe you remember Heraclitus, the Greek philosopher who had the idea that many of us know. He phrased it this way, which said, the only constant in life, the only constant in life is change. And Heraclitus, all that he was about, carried with it this idea that everything in life is changing. All four of these different people or songs or ideas carry with it the idea that change is inevitable. We know that. Sometimes that's good for us. Maybe we lose weight in our life. We feel better with our health. Maybe we move. Maybe we get a new job. Maybe we add an addition to our family like a baby and our family grows and change is good. And yet other times we're not so happy about change. Sometimes the hair leaves our head or turns gray or maybe we gain a little bit of weight that we don't expect to put on or, or again maybe we have to move because of a bad situation and we're not thrilled about that. But, but change oftentimes comes in our life and some might say even that it is inevitable because it just happens to us sometimes. What's interesting is we sometimes compare our life to the Bible and to the Word of God, and particularly to God, is that many times we don't see the same things in the Bible that we see in our lives. Of course, we're human. We can't help some of the things that happen to us. We can't help some of the changes that take place. But yes, change is inevitable. But what we want to do this morning is consider for a few moments that change is inevitable, but in light of the idea that God is immutable. Now, when we say that God is many different things, in fact, I started to put this as part of a series. We're not going to do that right now, but we might in the future look at some of the other words that we know, that God is omniscient or God is omnipotent or God is omnibenevolent. He's all loving. He's all powerful. All these things we know. One of the other characteristics of God that we sometimes understand is that God is immutable. 
But when you say that, we have to kind of clarify because people say, well, I'm not sure what immutable is. Well, immutable comes from, of course, through the history of language and through the history of time of two words. The first being the prefix of in, I-N or I-M, which was a negative. A lot of times if you studied uh, Spanish or Greek or English or anything, we see that sometimes. But the idea that God is in the negative sense, I-N, Mutabilis. Now, I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly exactly, but we get the word mature from mutabilis or to mature, mutable. And so when we think about maturing, we think about changing. Most of the time, again, in our life, when we think about change, it's the change that we go through and our kids go through when they mature. So God does not change. When we say that God is immutable, what we are saying is that he does not change. Now, again, The interesting concept for us is that the comparison that we make sometimes between God and ourselves. Because you see, God is immutable. God is consistent even when we can't be. God is consistent even when we can't be. When we think about our lives, there is some change that we try to take on. There's some change that we try to affect in our life, but then other times we can't help it. Again, no matter what happens, we can't help our bodies getting older. We can't help that we can't do what we once could. We can't help maybe our hair changing color or some of those various things. It just happens because we cannot be consistent. Now, there's things like physical changes that we cannot be consistent with. The problem is, is that even when God is consistent, there are some times in our life that we can't be consistent. You see, God is unchangeable. But me, sometimes I say I'm a good person. I'm a good, honest person. But sometimes I lie. Maybe I don't even mean to. Maybe it kind of slips out, but I lie. Other times I say I'm kind. I'm nice. I've got friends. People like to be around me. But sometimes I lose my temper. Sometimes I use hurtful words. I'll tell you, I'll be there for you. Whatever you need, I will help you. I will be there for you. But, but sometimes I can't keep my word. And I do. I help others sometimes, but, but other times I get selfish. I tell my kids that I'll play with them. You know, we'll, we'll, when daddy gets home, we'll play together. But then sometimes I, I, I can't keep my word. And I say one thing, but we have to do another. I love my wife. We're one. But yet sometimes I get angry at her and we have a fight or we fuss about things. Because I can't be consistent. For, for others, I promise to be strong. Maybe it's something difficult that you're going through. and I'll be there for you. I'll be strong. But, but sometimes I grow weak. Maybe you've had a friend. A friend that's, that's closer than family. Who then turns their back on you. Because God is consistent even when we can't be. He can offer the one thing that we can't offer. And that is true consistency. Pure consistency through all of our life. If you've got your Bible, look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number, or excuse me, 2 Peter 3 and verse number 9. Because what we see is that God is immutable. He does not change because God is not like us. Peter says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Maybe you know this verse, but notice what it says. Secondly, as some men count slackness. God is not like us. He's not able to be or he shouldn't be and he's not the same way that we are We will look at God and we try to point and say, well, you're not doing what you said you would do. But God is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. 
You look at James chapter 1 and verse number 17. For every good and perfect gift is from above, from God, coming down from the Father of lights. Notice what James says about God. With whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. It's interesting to consider that God is not like us. There is no variation. I might come to you one day and come to you the next week and find out that I've met a different person. Maybe it's something that, that's happening in your life. Maybe it's even a medication that you're taking. But I might come to you or you might even come to me and recognize there is a change. But with God, there is no variation. There is no shadow of turning. He is not like us. And even Numbers chapter 23 and verse number 19 in the Bible, in the Old Testament, it says, God is not man that he should lie or son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? The comparison that we make with God is that he is not like us. He is immutable. He does not change. He can and will be consistent even when we can't be. And as I look around this room, I see many of you that I know and have come to know well. And I know that you're good people, we say. That you want to keep your word. That you want to do the right thing. But if we're all honest... We just can't do it all the time. Even the best of us lose our temper. We get angry. Maybe we don't keep our word. It happens. We cannot be consistent in that way all of the time. But God is immutable. He is consistent. He does not change. And what I'd like for us to do in the rest of our time this morning is notice that we see that and we can take comfort from that through the whole Bible. If you've got your Bible, look with me in Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 6. And as you're turning there, I'd like for you to notice that it might be somewhat the middle of your Bible. Now, it's not the middle necessarily if you were to take your Bible and hold it open and drop it to the middle. But if you turn to Malachi 3, 6, flip over a page, and in my Bible it says the New Testament. Now, it's not the middle in the number of words or the middle, is if we, again, if we open the number of pages, but we might call it the middle because it's the middle of the two testaments that we oftentimes refer to. I'd like to go through this exercise this morning. It's not exactly the only way to talk about God being immutable or not changing, but I think it's kind of interesting. The one verse, the main verse that we usually mention or look at when we talk about the fact that God does not change is Malachi 3 and verse number 6. Because it says very simply, for I am the Lord, I do not change. And maybe you've heard that. But notice with me this morning, and again, I don't know that it's not planned this way, but I think it's very interesting. You take the middle of your Bible, we might call it, and we look at this verse, for I am the Lord, I do not change. And I'd like for us to go backward, and I'd like for us to go forward and think about this a little bit more. First of all, God doesn't change in his expectation of obedience. Go backward, if you will, the way we kind of refer to it in our Bible, to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to look at a lot of verses. Some of these are on your bulletin because we won't have time. You may not have time to write them all down. But you may begin to see a pattern here. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You shall or you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Notice we go back to the beginning and we see God's expectation of obedience. You go forward to Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 14, and the Bible says, Blessed are those who do his commandments. 
Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. We go backward and we see this expectation and we go forward and we see this expectation of obedience. God has said, here are my commands and blessed are you if you follow them. Notice as well his love. Notice as well as love in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. This may not be as familiar to you, but here it says, The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people. For you were the least of all peoples, but because the Lord loves you. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. We see in the Old Testament that God made an oath and he loved his people enough. He shows his people his love by bringing them out. We see it all throughout the book of Exodus and even into Leviticus and Deuteronomy. This idea, I have loved you. I have brought you out of the land of Egypt. And if you will obey my commands... Then I will bless you. Go forward again to John chapter 3 and verse number 16. We all know it so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, if we go back to Deuteronomy, we come forward to John. We see that God does not change in his expectation of obedience or even in his love. Notice as well, it's not on this screen, but in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse number 17, God is, shows no partiality. We sometimes say it from another quotation from the New Testament that God is no respecter of persons. But Deuteronomy 10, 17, for the Lord, your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. And maybe you recall Romans chapter 2 and verse number 11, for there is no partiality with God. We go back to Deuteronomy, we go forward to Romans, we see that God does not show partiality. Notice with me as well on the screen here that he is not changed in his punishment. We think about Leviticus chapter 10 and verses 1 through 3, the story that we know so well of Nadab and Abihu, that we look back and we see that when people would not obey the command of the Lord, that there is punishment. Many people don't like that. In fact, many people will use that as an excuse to stay away from being a follower of God. That an all-loving God would show punishment. But again, the God who does not change takes the time to show that he will not change. In Leviticus chapter 10, 1 through 3, and there's references there to other passages where God talks about not offering the strange or profane fire. And as Nadab and Abihu do that, as they are disobedient, there is punishment. The passage that you're also familiar with is Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, as we think in the New Testament about those who would be, we might say, deceitful. We've talked a lot lately on Wednesday night about lying and the consequences of lying. And as we think about Ananias and Sapphira, as they're doing a good thing, but yet while doing a good thing, they're somewhat dishonest. And God says there has to be punishment. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament that does not change. It says, whether it's Nadab and Abihu, or whether it's Ananias and Sapphira, or anybody in between, there's going to be punishment when you disobey. Now, for us, oftentimes the punishment's delayed. We think about eternal punishment. But yet in the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, we see an immediate punishment. Because God is consistent. He does not change 
even when it comes to his punishment. If you've got your Bible, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Because I have another one that I did not put on the screen. But another thing that God has done that he has not changed in is his sharing of commands. The commandments that he has given. You see, God loves us. God will punish us. God also has said every time through all time, here is my law and what you need to follow. He has given his commands. Some of the famous passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verses 4 through 9 that you know so well that we sing. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Go on down later in chapter 6 there. Notice verses 17 and 18. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you. Go down to verses 24 and 25. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes to fear the Lord our God. For our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Verse 25. Then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. You see, we don't have time this morning to actually look through Exodus and Leviticus and see all of the commands and list them all. But we can notice that, yes, God, even in the Old Testament, gave his commands. Go forward to the New Testament and we think about 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3, the verse we oftentimes quote, that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Whether it's the God of Deuteronomy or Leviticus, whether it's the God of 2 Peter or anywhere in between, he has shared his commands. He has told us how we should live and we can take comfort in that. One final one here, as we consider this idea of going backward and forward in the Bible, God does not change even with his promises. Perhaps you remember Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, as God makes those promises there to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Again, unfortunately for the sake of time this morning, we don't have time to go forward through the Old Testament. Although many of you as Bible students know and can see how God kept this promise to Abram. As he blessed Abraham. As he held up his end of the bargain of making a great name and a great nation. And being a blessing to Abraham. God keeps his promises, and he did in the Old Testament. But we go forward as well, again, to 2 Peter 1, where we were just a few moments ago. We think about that he has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But notice in verse 4, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. God has given us those promises, and he will not Change. I don't know that I can emphasize it enough as we think about our lives that God will not change even when it comes to his promises. Now, the deal with Abraham is we can go backward and think about how he fulfilled those promises. We can see it on the pages of our Bible. But what about the promises that he has made that have not been fulfilled yet? Not completely fulfilled. You remember in Genesis chapter 9, 
In verses 13 through 17, what's the promise he made there? We even saw it on Friday night. Carl stepped out from game night and was looking for one. We've seen it several times here lately with the rain that we've had. God made a promise. A promise that he would never destroy the earth again with water. And he is keeping that promise. Now, as I said, it's not been completely fulfilled because time has not ended here upon this earth. So I guess he could break it if that were his nature, even though we know it's not, which is what we're talking about this morning. But he is still keeping that promise that he would not destroy the world by water. If you've got your Bible, look in 1 John chapter 2. Because when we think about promises that are yet to be completely fulfilled, in 1 John 2, 24 and 25, John says, And this is the promise, in verse number 25, that he has promised us, very plain and simple, eternal life. God keeps his promises, even those that haven't been fulfilled yet. He will keep his promise that we can have a home in heaven. Now think about the promise that Jesus made in John chapter 14 in verses 1 through 6 there, where he talks about, I go and prepare a place for you. And what does he say? He says, and I will come back. I will come back and receive you again unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. He makes a promise of a home in heaven. It's not been fulfilled yet for us, but there is a promise that God will fulfill. But what's a little bit much for us to consider sometimes is the promise as well that he makes about eternal punishment. I think about Mark chapter 16 and verse number 16. We know Mark 16, 15 and 16 so well, but do we think about verse number 16 a lot of the time? Because Jesus makes a promise there as well. And Mark 16 and verse number 16 he says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. And we, we quote that, and rightfully so, there's a promise there. But what about the end of it? But he who does not believe will be condemned. Or go forward as well to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 8. As we think about the promise of heaven that is so encouraging to us, there's a promise as well of eternal punishment. The, the almost scary to me way in which Paul writes here to those in Thessalonica because he uses the words, in flaming fire. Sounds like something out of a movie. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. God does not change in his promises. And that can be a wonderful blessing. Or it can be a scary alternative as we think about an eternal punishment in hell. God is consistent. He does not change in his love, in his partiality, or no partiality, in his punishment, in his promises. All of, the, all of these things allow us to sing with confidence about how we can hold to God's unchanging hand. About how we build our hopes on things eternal. God is consistent. God is immutable. God does not change. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the God of Paul, is the God of you, and the God of me. The God of the Pentateuch is the God of the Gospels. The God of the Tabernacle is the God of the Temple and the God of the Church. The God of Jerusalem is the God of Rome, is the God of Saudi Daisy in the United States of America. God does not change. And we can take comfort and peace in that as long as we are obedient to his word. One more passage and the lesson will be yours this morning. Psalm 102 in verses 25 through 28. The psalmist oftentimes says things so beautifully the ways that, in ways which we cannot. But Psalm 102 verses 25 through 28. 
of you laid the foundation of the earth. Or excuse me, of old you laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment. Like a cloak you will change them, and they will be changed. Verse 27, but you are the same. And your years will have no end. The children of your servants will continue, and their descendants will be established before you. You see this morning the great thing about the immutability of God, the fact that God does not change. Sometimes the thing that helps us recognize that is the fact that we keep changing. The fact that we cannot quit changing. Again, whether it's the things that we sometimes can't help in our life, the way our bodies break down, or it's the things that we try to change, we cannot quit changing. And through all of that, we have someone that we can turn to. We have someone that does not change. And so we sing, as we said a moment ago, God's unchanging hand is there. We sing like we talked about last Sunday morning. We have an anchor. We sing about, oh, thou blessed rock of ages. We sing about the rock. We sing about a firm foundation that is built upon a God who does not change. God is immutable. God is unchanging. And we can be thankful for that. But even this morning, maybe one of the most interesting things is we consider a God who does not change. Maybe the greatest thing about a God who does not change is the fact that we, or excuse me, that he allows change. The God who does not change still allows us to change. And as we are blessed with time and opportunity this morning, we consider the fact that sometimes we do need to change. Sometimes there are things in our life that we cannot help, but there are sometimes that we need to self-examine, be self-aware and recognize that we need to make a change. Maybe you're here this morning and you stand in need of a change. Maybe you can lean upon the word of God from the beginning to the end and consider a God who does not change and see that maybe you stand in need of changing in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, the powerful promise of the hope of heaven is great. But the powerful promise as well of inflaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to obey the gospel. Become a Christian. Be baptized for the remission of your sins, allowing the blood of Christ to wash away your sins so that the Lord can add you to his church. We would be singing in a moment to implore you, to beg you almost that you would consider making that change. Maybe you're here and you've done that, but you've made another change. You made a change once to come to God, but now you've changed and you've turned away. Again, the times they are a-changing. Everything around us seems to be changing. That's the one constant in life. Maybe the other constant in life is the Word of God, the God of heaven that we serve. And this morning, as we are about to sing this song, maybe you need to change your life to become in line with His Word, either by becoming a Christian or coming back to Him. We'll be singing to encourage you as we stand together.